Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor story jumpers welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast are you ready to hear a great story of course that's why you're a story jumper would you rather be a famous hunter or a lowly shepherd Jared thinks he knows the answer to that question when the mighty hunter Nimrod comes to his rescue But is Nimrod the hero Jared thinks he is? And is Nimrod right when he claims the tower will make their people famous? Follow the adventures of Jared and his friends as they encounter dangerous creatures, face perilous storms, and learn the importance of obedience to God during a unique period of biblical history. The Tower tells the account of the Tower of Babel from the perspective of three children. When the mighty hunter Nimrod saves the children from a monster attack, Jared wants to be just like him. But is Nimrod really the hero Jared thinks he is? After a conversation with his ancestor Shem, Jared wonders if their people are being disobedient to God. If they are, what judgment might God bring? Join Jared and his friends as they battle dangerous creatures, face perilous storms, and learn to rely on God when hope seems lost. Enjoy this reading of The Tower by Yvonne Krell. Over 100 years after Noah's flood. Chapter 1. The Hunter. Something's wrong, Jared said to his friends, Nefti and Damien. I haven't seen the sheep like this when I've taken them to pasture with my father. The sheep huddled together. Some shivered and stamped their hooves. Jared stood with his staff and surveyed the hillside. Has something spooked them? asked Damien. He rose and unhooked the sling from his belt. What if it's a long beak? said Nefty. She shaded her eyes from the afternoon sun as she scanned the sky. One of those terrible flying creatures ate my pet rabbit. Long beaks will attack sheep and even people. She hugged the fluffy lamb in her lap. Damien placed a stone in his sling. It could be a wolf. Nefty released the lamb she was holding, and it bounded into the center of the flock. Jared began circling around the sheep. He stopped when he felt the ground tremble. An enormous monster with a long, narrow snout, sharp teeth, and a fan back crashed through the bushes toward Jared and the sheep. Each step shook the ground. It walked on its hind legs. Two short arms with claws protruded from the front of its powerful body. The monster snapped its jaws, grabbing the closest sheep and flinging it away from the flock. Nefty screamed. Jared froze. His heart thumped wildly in his chest. It's a spike-backed monster. We need to get out of here, shouted Damien as he slung a rock toward the monster. The rock struck the creature's side and bounced harmlessly off. Damien grabbed Nefty's arm and ran with her behind some large boulders. Jared, run to us, shrieked Nefty. Jared sprinted toward his friends. He glanced behind him. The monster was chasing him. His foot hit a rock and he tumbled to the ground. He flipped onto his back and raised his staff defensively. Then he saw objects fly over his head. He heard a thud, a roar, and hoofbeats. 
Why hadn't he been attacked? He sat up. Eight men on horses with bows and spears had surrounded the roaring creature. Jared heard a shriek from the creature and triumphant shouts from the men. Damien and Nefty appeared at his side. They pulled him to his feet, talking at the same time. Are you hurt? I thought you'd be eaten. I thought we'd all be eaten. Nimrod wounded the monster with one spear throw. And one of the hunter's arrows hit the beast in the eye. His friends quieted when a large, muscular man on horseback left the other hunters and approached them. He held a spear. Dark red blood dripped from its tip. Jared's stomach flipped. Are you hurt? Nimrod asked. You saved me, Jared's voice shook. You're fortunate I heard Nefty scream. My hunters and I were tracking the spike-backed monster. Nimrod gazed sternly at Nefty. Does your father know you're so far from the city? Um, well, he knows I'm with Jared and Damien, Nefty said as she tugged nervously on her braided hair. Thank you for saving us, Uncle Nimrod. Nefty called her older male relative's uncle and was treated as a favorite niece by all of them. Did you kill it? Damien asked Nimrod. The monster is dead. I will add its tooth to my collection. Nimrod rattled the animal teeth he wore on a band around his neck. He turned to Jared. From now on, you'll need to keep the sheep closer to the city. We've seen an alarming number of predators recently. You boys gather the sheep and get them back to the folds. Two of my men will go with you. Nefty, you're coming with me. You're my cousin's only child, and he would be devastated if anything happened to you. Nimrod reached down and lifted Nefty, placing her in front of him on his horse. Then he galloped away. Damien helped Jared herd the remaining sheep back to the city. A hunter rode in front of and behind them. Jared tried not to jump at every sound as they hurried down the hills and through the fields and vineyards on the plain. There's the tower! Damien pointed toward their city and its most impressive building. The tower, nearly half completed, featured one large square as the base, with a second smaller square on top, connected by long staircases. Compared to the enormous tower, the houses and shops around it looked tiny. Jared could see the warm glow of lamps and torches against the darkening sky. He quickened his pace. The boys reached the sheepfolds just outside the city near dusk. Nefty must have spread the word of their rescue because the boys' fathers were waiting with torches at the sheepfolds to meet them. After hugs and explanations, Damien and his father left for their home on the other side of the city. Jared and his father secured the sheep for the night and headed to their home through the nearby entrance called the Sheep Gate. Jared's father, Sheba, put his arm around him. You had a narrow escape today. I'll offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving on God's altar tomorrow. You should have seen Nimrod. He saved my life, said Jared. I'm grateful he arrived in time, agreed Sheba. I need better weapons. I couldn't protect myself, my friends, or our sheep. Damien and I were talking about making our own spears. I'm not sure any weapon would have helped against this monster, responded Sheba. Nimrod and his men were brave. I tripped running away. Jared kicked his sandaled foot at a pebble and sent it flying down the street. A spike-backed monster can't be faced alone. I'm glad you were trying to get somewhere safe. Jared sighed. At least I have a great story about Nimrod to tell. Nefty's lucky to be related to our city's greatest hunter. Sheba paused outside their domed house, which was made of sturdy wooden poles covered in animal skins. Just don't upset your pregnant mother or little sister with too many details, okay? Jared grinned. You don't think mother and Janai will want to hear about the blood dripping off Nimrod's spear? 
Chapter 2. The River Jared, are you still reading? His mother Aaliyah asked. No, Janai tattled from her seat next to her brother at the table. Jared tore his gaze away from his wooden spear in the corner of the room. The day after the monster attack, he and Damien had found long branches. They used tools at the carpentry shop to smooth the wood. Then they attached sharpened bone tips. Are we almost finished with my lessons? Jared asked his mother. I want to practice with my spear. It's been days since I've used it. Aaliyah dropped a blob of dough on the table and mashed it down with her palms. Weapons may be useful for hunting and defending yourself, but our family has other responsibilities. We care for animals and record the history of our people. You're good with the sheep and have a gift for remembering the accounts you learn. Don't you want to use those gifts? Jared set the tablet down in his lap. I'd rather be a hunter like Nimrod. Nimrod, I save you from the monster, Janai said. Then she wandered away to play with her straw doll. Aaliyah frowned. It seems like Nimrod enjoys killing animals and telling others about his hunts. People ask him to tell his adventures. I know every detail about his hunts. Jared leaned forward in his seat. Nimrod said everything he does is for our people. Let's not forget where our people came from, his mother said. She left her dough on the table to check on the flatbread baking on the hearth fire. She flipped the half-baked bread. Jared's stomach growled when he smelled the slightly sweet, yeasty aroma. You mean Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth? He watched the smoke rise from the cooking fire and escape through the small hole in the center of the domed roof. Yes. Why were they and their wives spared from the flood? Because God was gracious and told Noah to build an ark, and that's what he and his family did. His mother nodded as she returned to her dough. Noah was obedient to God's command, and God showed mercy to him and his family. That's why we should care more about obeying God than having the praise of people. The door flap opened and sunlight shone into the room. Damien, Jared exclaimed. Want to come with me to the river? Damien stepped inside and appealed to Jared's mother. Can he come? We'll spear some fish for dinner. He waved his wooden spear. Some fish for dinner would be nice, Aaliyah patted her bulging belly. Can you catch some using your new spears? That seems like a difficult way to fish compared to using nets. Yes, we can. I know the perfect spot, Damien answered. Okay, but you two be careful, warned Aaliyah. We will, they promised. Jared grabbed his spear and the two boys raced away. Damien led the way through the city. They passed by the marketplace, several gardens, and large domed houses made of wooden poles and animal skins, like Jared's. Mud bricks were needed for the tower, so only the shops on Artisan Street and some important homes were made of brick. The boys left the city through the doorway called the River Gate. Outside this gate, a fleet of boats bobbed peacefully alongside docks in a natural harbor off the Euphrates River. Noah and his sons had passed on their shipbuilding skills to their families. In the hundred years since the flood, their descendants had crafted a variety of river boats. These boats were used for fishing and scouting areas for stones, minerals, and wood for weapons and tools. Wait! The boys turned to see Nefty bounding after them. Once she caught up, Jared said, Where have you been, Neff? Yeah, we haven't seen you since the monster attack, added Damien. Nefty sighed. I've had to endure hours and hours of lessons this week. This morning, Father made me add endless numbers using his special counting device. That sounds harder than reading family histories, which is what my mother had me doing, said Jared. You really should get out more, Jared. Learning all those names and years will clutter up your mind, teased Damien. 
At least he's using his mind, retorted Nefty. Damien laughed. True. Once I learned pictographs and measurements, my mother stopped doing lessons with me. She sent me out with my father and older brothers to learn how to fish, mend nets, and repair the boats. My mother gave me a break from lessons to collect reeds for a basket, said Nefty. How did you know where we'd be? Jared asked. I stopped at your house first, Jared, and your mother told me you were coming to the river. When did you get those spears? We made them, said Jared. He held his spear out so she could get a better look. We're going to spear some fish, Damien explained. Ooh, I want to try. Neff, you'll probably spear your own foot. Damien pretended to stab his foot, then hopped around howling. Jared chuckled. Nefty flipped her braid. I'd be good at it. Could you stab a sweet little fish, teased Damien. The fish in this river aren't sweet. They're ugly and slimy and scaly, said Nefty, wrinkling her nose. After a short walk, the three friends reached a spot where the river was shallow. They walked carefully into the water until they reached a deeper pool where Damien promised the fish would be. I see one! Jared jabbed his spear into the pool and flung it up, revealing a fish on the end. Got it! But as he spoke, the fish wriggled free, flopped back into the water, and swam away. Oh, you hurt him, Nefty cried. He's alive, though, said Jared. Until something else eats him, added Damien. The boy snickered. Nefty rolled her eyes, then went to the shore and began collecting reeds for her basket. Jared watched Damien spear several fish. He soon got a few of his own, which he added to their pile on the shore. Nefty placed her reeds nearby. Neff, are you sure you don't want to try? I was joking about spearing your foot, called Damien. He offered his spear to her. No, thanks. I've almost got enough reeds. Look at this. It's not a fish. Jared pointed into the pool. Damien stepped closer and Nefty scrambled over to see. Oh, do you know what it is, Damien? She asked. I've seen crocodiles, water snakes, frogs, and all kinds of fish, but never one of these. Its back looks like armor, said Jared. It has sharp teeth, Damien noted. And a long neck, added Jared. I think it's just a baby. Nefty looked to the shore. Did you bring a rope? No, the boys shouted in unison. What? Nefty gave an innocent look. You're not taking this creature home as a pet. It looks dangerous, warned Damien. The creature swam lazily in circles, then poked its head out of the water. Aw, he wants to say hi. Nefty stepped closer. Uh, Damien, is that smoke coming out of its nose? Jared asked. The creature sucked in air, then sneezed a band of flame. The heat spread toward the children. It's a fire breather, Damien yelled. Back up. Story jumpers, can you imagine living in the time after the ark has come to rest? Well, I've got someone who has imagined that and put it into a great story. The author of The Tower, Yvonne Krell. How are you, Yvonne? I'm doing great, thanks. It's so great to have you on Story Jumpers. I've been excited to get together with you to discuss this book. And it's it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of excitement packed into the small book. But what can you tell me about maybe the inspiration behind wanting to write the book? Yeah, so the main idea actually came just from imagining what it would be like to be a kid living at the tower uh, when God confused the language and to suddenly not be able to communicate with your best friends. Yikes, like that would be terrible. That would be terrible. And that's when I first pictured, uh, you know, Nefty, Jared, and Damien, and the story idea began from there. 
Very cool. Yeah, I can't imagine. I've got friends um, over the years, like exchange students who have come to my school. And then um, further on in life, I met other people from other countries. And when you have a barrier of language, oh, man, there can be a lot of confusion that results. Um, do you have any friends that speak other languages? Um, well, I do. In, uh, I'm from Canada originally, so we do learn French. <laughs> uh, not always very well. Uh, so um, I did have some friends who were fluent. They went and did exchange programs in Quebec and, uh, and learned to speak French. And I'm always impressed when people pick up another language. It's great. It is great. It's very difficult. And I, you know, I, I kind of imagine that story of the Tower of Babel and how everyone was speaking one language and then God tore it apart and he said, no, we're going to confuse their language. They're not going to be able to, you know, be as organized as they were before. I, I just, the confusion that must have set in. Um, and then, as you said, people scattered after that, correct? Yeah. So the family groups probably would have um, divided. You would have found other people that spoke your language. <laughs> mm. And um, and then from there, there was no point all staying together when they couldn't understand one another and so they ended up obeying God's initial command to be fruitful and spread about the earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yes, we can't <laughs> we can't foil God's plans. That's right. That's right. You know, that would be um, the confusion would be one thing. And then trying to organize society again in these different family groups or these different clusters based on language. But but I can only imagine some of the dangers that kids would have faced living during those times, um, during that period of biblical history. Do you have any examples of things that they would have had to endure? Yeah, so that's kind of what's fun about this unique period of biblical history is that because it's only about 100 years or so after the flood, and we know that dinosaurs and flying creatures like pterosaurs would have been on the ark, um, they still would have been around uh, probably at this time period. And that's something we don't think about of <laughs> having to worry about uh, dinosaur-like creatures being around. And even the Chapter 2 fire-breathing creature is uh, in the waters, a real animal. You can read about it in Job 41. So, uh, And then I think, too, um, we know from all the upheaval of the flood, of the fountains of the great deep bursting forth, that would have just caused a lot of... Um, uh, events like dust storms and volcanoes and smaller floods and even earthquakes. So, mm -hmm. yeah, lots of lots of dangerous times for people living then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I really enjoyed listening to the portion of the story that you shared with us. Thank you so much. The you know, the, the storytelling is so rich. It's so enjoyable. Um, what would you say influenced your style of writing? So I guess being read to a lot as a kid myself, my parents and my oldest brother um, just read me lots of great books, historical fiction, fantasy, classic, adventures. And so I kind of grew up hearing just uh, a lot of great content and wanting to write my own things. Like my first little story, I think, was about age six, was about a frog. Nice. <laughs> uh, so and then. Uh, but yeah, big influencer was um, that when I was 14, my mom had twins 
and another boy after that. So I had three brothers with a big age gap in between. So I was super excited to share all my favorite stories that like my oldest brother had done for me. And so a big influencer in this book was just thinking about reading aloud to my brothers and when they were young and what would keep their attention. So right, yeah, lots right. of action and danger and yeah. uh, things happening. So yes, definitely influenced my writing. So did your brothers, um, did they enjoy the story about the frogs or did you never get around to telling that one? <laughs> yes. Well, well, I wrote that when I was six and they weren't born until I was 14. Yeah. So they never got to see that uh, particular story. But <laughs> mostly, uh, yes, <laughs> probably a good thing. I don't think it was a very good story. Right. <laughs> uh, yes. Hopefully my writing improved in the years since then. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun. I imagine there's a lot of story jumpers who hear these tales and these stories and they think, maybe I could do that. And if you were, you know, talking to um, six-year-old Yvonne, what would you tell her? How would you encourage her in her writing? Yes, I think I would just say keep writing and keep reading because I had, um, you know, parents and family members and teachers that were like, that's a great story. You need to share these. And I, that really influenced my life. I kept writing uh, to this day. And I think that's why I'm in the field I am is mm. um, because of the influences like that and the encouragement. And what, and what I read at that time really influenced the way I wrote. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's fun to read a variety of things. Just uh, there's so many great stories and even nonfiction things that are fun uh, facts to learn and uh, that's the great thing about reading. <laughs> you yeah. learn a lot. Oh, even absolutely. In Yvonne, I'm curious, where did you get the initial idea for this book? Uh, well, I'm a writer and editor at Answers in Genesis. We're a Christian apologetics ministry that has built two great attractions. There's the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter in northern Kentucky. And a new attraction that's planned at the Ark Encounter is a reconstruction of what the Tower of Babel might have looked like. And I thought it'd be neat to have some books for children that would make this event come to life when the attraction is ready in a few years. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. I, now, I've heard of the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, of course, and I've always wanted to visit. But now, a Tower of Babel exhibit. That's going to be neat to see. Yes, it's going to just add an extra factor there. The Ark, the life-size replica of the Ark is already just an amazing attraction in itself. And to add the extra things around it and supplementing is just going to take it to the next level. So I'm excited to see that. It's still in the planning phases, but looking forward to that. You'll have to give me a tour when it's ready. <laughs> I'd be happy to. I can imagine that you learned a lot while writing this book because you wanted to stick to the facts that were presented biblically. And so what are some interesting facts that you dug up or that you learned while you were writing this book? Yeah, so I guess as an English major, I really love the study of languages. I do speak a bit of French myself, just enough to, like, order coffee. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, all you really need, I think, I think in French, right? <laughs> just Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that, that and maybe crepes. Or, there yeah, you go. We would like a couple of crepes, um, probably. <laughs> But yeah, one interesting fact that while I was studying um, just the Bible in current languages was that I learned there's about um, 7,000 distinct languages today that just linguists have traced back to about um, uh, less than 100 original language families, um, so languages that are related. 
And this is neat because it matches the Bible's account of Babel and the list of about 80 family groups and nations that you find in Genesis 10. And so that's neat that that list actually aligns with what linguists are finding today when they trace all of our thousands of languages back to this number and it matches the Bible. That's fascinating. Wow. Wow. That is really, really cool. So um, was were there any others or was that the one that stood out to you the most for the for the theme of this story, I guess? Yeah. And I think also researching just the tower of what mm-hmm. the structure was like, because the Bible doesn't tell us what it looked like. And archaeologists think uh, think it was probably a ziggurat, which is kind mm-hmm. of the square step style tower. And we find these ziggurat based structures around the world, which yeah. is neat, like in the pyramids of Egypt and Mexico and mounds in North America and China. Yeah. And again, that kind of just makes sense that the people who scattered from Babel would have taken the base basic tower structure with them as they moved around the world. And we see those structures all around the world. So Gosh. again, it's just uh, more evidence of that the Bible's true and we can wow. trust it. And I think that's neat. It's neat and it's wonderful to be able to take something yes. that you hear in Sunday school or at church and you think, well, okay, that's in the Bible and that's fine. I, I just learned it from my Sunday school teacher, but then you look into more research and you look into more historical and archaeological findings and it just so the the facts and the material information around us support the story in genesis it's fascinating yes yeah yes it's great so what for the readers that would like to pick up the tower and continue on um hopefully with the series of books what would you like readers to learn from the story What's something that they'll hopefully walk away from? Um, well, man, it's just that the Bible is exciting and has real history that affects us today. I think the most valuable lesson I love from the Tower of Babel is that we're all descended from Noah's family. And the Bible even says we're one blood and um, we're all descendants. And even though we scattered into different language groups that look and sound different, um, just I want people to know that um, we're there's just one race, the human race, that's and that's right. the race that Jesus came to save. And all those divisions based on exterior things, those don't matter. Um, what matters is the heart. And yes. uh, and so I love that about the tower that it gives us answers to, you know, things that affect us today. Of uh, you know, there doesn't need to be the the anger or distrust or even fear of other people groups um, when you understand uh, biblical history that yes, yes. We're, all, we're all the same. <laughs> we are all the same. We're all in the same boat and, and there's only one way through and one way out. Right. And that's through Jesus. Yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I loved also the illustrations of the book. Um, it reminded me of like, I don't know. I mean, it just, it just, it's adventure right away. You know, you look at the cover and you look at the illustration and it's just like, this is going to be fun. And this is going to be an adventure. Yes. But I happen to know a little secret. You are best friends with the books illustrator. You have been since you guys were four years old. How does that happen? Yes, that is um, just uh, almost really a dream come true that my, you know, childhood friend from preschool, um, and what's funny is we liked a lot of the same creative things as kids, like we're read similar books by our, um, by our parents. And, 
uh, love to draw, like we like to draw home plans when we were kids, <laughs> which is funny. I'm that like, what kids get together and draw, draw home plans. But we had cool things like water slides and, uh, you uh -huh. know, trampolines in our house. But uh, yeah, so I think she just did a wonderful job uh, bringing the, especially like the extinct characters to life and yeah. capturing the action and just the fun of these characters. So to get to collaborate um, with her was just uh really great for this book. Yeah, I'll bet, especially after probably you guys had, you know, gone your separate ways in life and, and then we're able to come back together on this project. How fun would that be? That's really cool. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, she's still back in Canada and I'm now living in the U.S. But uh, yeah, some things don't change. Uh, your, your childhood friends, <laughs> there's always a connection. Very cool. Yvonne, thank you so much for taking the time to write this story. Do you have plans for more? Will we continue this adventure or more adventures to come? Yes, the plan is to follow up with uh, with our three friends and find out what happens now that they're starting their separate journeys. So can't give too much away, but uh, yes, we're going to follow the characters uh, now as they scatter uh, after the confusion at Babel. Excellent. Yvonne, thank you so much. Will you please let us know when the next book comes out by coming back to Story Jumpers? Oh, I'd, I'd love to. I'd be happy to do that. All right. We'll see you then. Thanks, Yvonne. All right. Thanks. Parents, Yvonne Krell grew up on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada. She has written and edited Sunday school and homeschool Bible curricula, VBS materials, and children's books for Answers in Genesis for over six years. Before devoting her attention to full-time writing, she taught private piano lessons and spent a year teaching children with a revival ministry in churches across the U.S. Her award-winning story, The Red Priest, about Antonio Vivaldi, was published in Clubhouse magazine in 2010. Yvonne currently lives in northern Kentucky, where she enjoys ice hockey, martial arts, and teaching her third-grade Sunday school class. Find her online at yvonnekrell.com.